0: To Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Huh? Eventually. Give it another year. So, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 45. Let's get your Bibles, open it up. I'm going to move my body and adjust it this way because I feel like that's a little bit more comfortable right now. Mark chapter one, verse thirty five to forty five. Don't rely on the screens. Let's get there. So what we are going to be doing in the for the next four weeks, we are going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to be talking uh, specifically about the characteristics and the, the 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 heart of Jesus and his motives and and who he was as a person. Because it's not enough just to talk about Jesus as a historical figure. It's not enough just to talk about Jesus as as a man in in a book. But we must look at Jesus closely. We must look at who he is, what he values, and what he does. Because we must know Jesus in a way that Paul describes in Ephesians five one as being imitators of Christ. What Paul is calling us to do as believers is to be imitators of Christ. And in order for us to imitate, uh, in, in order to, for us to imitate Christ, we must first know who He is. And when I, I remember when I, I first moved here and I was interviewing, we had a, a Sunday night Bible study and, and we were talking about the image of God and and after that people. Um, y'all got to ask me questions of, of interest. And, and you guys asked me what my, my favorite type of movies are. And my favorite type of movies are, are documentaries. I enjoy documentaries. I enjoy hearing um, real life situations. I enjoy hearing true stories. And, and some of my favorite movies and some of, the favorite, um, some of my favorite theater productions that I see are all based around true stories. And you see, I'm often in uh, marveled at, at the actresses and actors that that imitate a historical person or or imitate someone in a true life, real life situation because it takes a lot of skill to be able to play another person. And there are, are several uh, movies and, and musicals that I've I've come to enjoy throughout the years that are, are rooted in true stories. And and one of the true stories that I've been encapsulated by. for, for such a long time is that of called come from away. And for those of you that don't know what um, the musical Come from Away is about, it's about a small town in Gander, Newfoundland, on, and it's talking about on 9/11 and the days previous. And for those of you that don't know the story of Gander, Gander is a um, is a Canadian town through which 38 commercial airlines uh, planes were grounded on in a minute's notice due to the events of 9/11. 38 planes were grounded in this small town this small airport in order for them to to uh, Clear out the air traffic waves because of all the the threats and so what happened is the people in gander They pulled together their resources. They were they were generous. They would um, clothe the people they would feed the people on the planes it was it was truly a remarkable experience An experience of of gratitude and and graciousness that this small town bestowed on a bunch of strangers that they had never met in a moment's notice. And this becomes one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite historical people that are still alive comes from this, this show because one of the characters of Come From Away, her name is Captain Beverly Bass. And if you don't know that name or recognize that name, that Captain Beverly Bass was the first female pilot for American Airlines. Truly revolutionary. A woman as a pilot of a commercial airline. And the person that is playing her and portraying Captain Bass in in Come From Away is uh, the one that originated it was Jen Kalele. And I remember listening to a couple of podcasts or a couple interviews that she had and they asked her the process of becoming uh, becoming Captain Beverly Bass. Because no, Captain Beverly Bass was not a figment of her imagination, it was not this random character that was started on a piece of paper. This was a character that was being portrayed off of somebody that would be sitting in the audience almost 200 times for 200 performances. She was in the crowd often. And and so Jen was having to make intricate skill sets and and to really do her research to portray Captain Beverly Bass perfectly. And I I heard a couple of her techniques and what she would do is she would sit and have dinner with Captain Beverly Bass. She would look to see how she would sit in a chair because uh, Captain Beverly Bass's big number in, in Come From Away is, is a seated at a, at a table. The Most of the song is seated at a table. And so what Jen had tried to do was imitate the way that Captain Beverly Bass had sat in the midst of her interview and asking the progression of her career and her desire for flying and her love for flying. Continually, she, when um, Captain Bass would walk around, Jen would look at the little nuances in her step. When she, when she was talking to Captain Bass, she would sit there and, and she would look to see at the little inflections of excitement that she was talking about when telling her story. So that she would be able to portray the most exciting moments of Captain Beverly Bass's story, so it was very important. Also, she said that she would listen to her personal dialect and, and the, perf, uh, the personal little nuances to her language and her vocabulary, so she would be able to imitate her perfectly. And this performance would later earn Jen Colella a Tony nomination for Best Featured Actress, actress of the Musical. You see, imitation takes skill, but it also has a major payoff. And for us, as, as Paul is encouraging us in Ephesians 5.1, he says, be imitators of Christ. And for in order for us to truly imitate Christ and for us to be true imitators of Christ, we first have to know Christ. We have to know his values. We need, we need to know who he is. We need to know what he does. We need to know what, what makes his clock tick. We need to know the, 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 what makes him happy and what makes him sad, what grieves him and what excites him. And so what we're going to be doing for the next four weeks is we are going to be talking about Jesus and seeing how we can be people that reflect Jesus even more. So one of the major foundations that we must learn about Jesus is that Jesus was a people person. Jesus loved people. Jesus loved to be around people. Jesus was always around people. Jesus was rarely found by himself. And even when Jesus was able to to, uh, skip away from the crowd and, and move away from the crowd, he still was not by himself because he used those times to be in the company of the two other parts of the Godhead. He would spend time connecting with the Father and connecting with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a people person. So Jesus provides us with an extraordinary example of being a person of connection. One of the first things that we need to know about Jesus is that Jesus was a person of connection. So let's look at our text. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to, to 45. It begins by saying, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everybody is looking for him. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. If you go down to the next section at verse 39, it says, so we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy called to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched and he said to the man, I am willing. And he said to him, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left the man, and he was cleansed. Jesus had sent him away at once with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell this to anybody, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began freely spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. You see, what's really amazing about this text is that it shows two sides of Jesus' connectivity. The first side is that Jesus is is that where we find that we get into our text, we find that Jesus is in the throes of the beginning of his ministry. We are only in in Mark chapter one, but already Jesus has found himself being baptized and he, he announces the good news. He's already called his disciples. He's already driven out impure uh, spirits and Jesus has already healed many people. But then it continues on and where our text picks up is that Mark is that is that he is in this moment of reciprocating and, and going and finding inclusion exclusion to be able to grow and reconnect with God. What I love about the Mark text is that he provides an amazing account of Jesus' ministry. Mark's account of Jesus' ministry is probably one of the most thorough and is probably the most inclusive of how he acted and how he taught. Mark highlights that Jesus' primary responsibility was to preach the, God, the good news of a coming kingdom. But Mark uh, demonstrates that uh, Jesus' command wasn't just done, he wasn't just talking, but Jesus done and spoke and taught by demonstration as well. Miracles, signs, and wonders followed Jesus. So every time we hear uh, Jesus talking about something and creating a principle in the Gospel of Mark, we can look and recognize that there's a testimony and there's a demonstration of exactly what Jesus is talking about. We see that there is a power to heal. There's a power to cast out demons. There's a power to forgive. And we begin our text with Jesus's foundation, foundational connection. Jesus is sitting there and he's trying to connect with his father. Jesus is already in the throes of his ministry. He is already healing many people. It says many people doesn't give us a number. This is an exponential amount of uh, uh, amount of people that he is not uh, that Mark is not even able to fully be able to articulate how many people have been healed. But in this moment, in the midst of the demand of healing, jesus it didn't say that Jesus healed everybody. It says that Jesus healed many. There were still people that were needing to experience the healing touch of Jesus. But Jesus recognized that his connection and his dependence on the Father was paramount. That Jesus was, would find himself, that Jesus was fully dependent on his connection with his Father's power. And although he was God himself, he was still after the will of the one who sent him. Jesus would be found escaping the way several times throughout the gospel to be able to prayerfully connect with his father. Jesus would be found multiple other times, away from the crowd, away from the people that were close to him, away from those that were demanding his attention and his affection, and he would find himself looking for the foundational, the, foundation and the, connection, the foundational connection of his heart and his mind, which was the Father. He recognized he was solely dependent. If he was going to do anything, he needed the Father and he needed the connection with the Father. So what can we learn from this? Number one, we learn that connection with God needs to be our first priority. We need to recognize that a connection with God needs to be our first and primary um, priority in our life. See, I don't know about you, but so often I find myself very guilty of trying to find my connection with everybody else. I try to connect with other people when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling lost, when I'm feeling broken. I try to connect with everybody else before I connect with God. But what Jesus is showing us, Jesus is giving us a gateway and, and an inclination of how we can live a sustainable life without fully burning out, and it is done by first and foremost connecting with uh, uh, with connecting with the Father, because you see, all the people that were the closest with Him, the, the disciples that He called, not even even a couple uh, verses before Him, they had already missed the importance of connecting with the Father and connecting with God. They were were so caught up in the, the necessity of ministry and the responsibilities of ministry and the responsibility of doing the Father's will that they forgot to first and foremost connect. So when the disciples found him, they were more concerned about the need that they were having to meet rather than the connection with the one who was going to supply the need. We become so guilty of this experience in our own life is that we become so focused and so hyper-focused on on the need that is being presented rather than the one that can supply that need. And Jesus gives us a perfect glimpse. Jesus never lived a life of lack. Jesus never had to experience lack in his life because he always knew where the source of his power was. And so when we look at it, our first priority needs to be our connection with God. Are you connecting with God? Is God your first priority? Is God the first person that you're running to? Number two, connecting with God rejuvenates us to do his work. You see, Jesus had always already been about his Father's business, yet he himself was needing and dependent to hear something fresh of what's next to do. For all of us, we are about our Father's business. We are about the work of God. You may not be in a ministry capacity. You may not be leading worship. You may may not be leading something within the church, but that does not mean that you do not have a work that God wants to do in your life. God's work is demonstrated through us and wanting to be displayed through us through every avenue of life, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're with your friends, whether it's your family. You have a work to do. And a lot of the times we are going one way and we are continuing to, to connect and do the work of God in one direction. And we so often lose sight because we're so busy doing the work that we forget to hear God afresh and anew. Some of us have been running on the treadmill of a worn out anointing and a a worn out work and and God is trying to move us from glory to glory. But we are so busy trying to connect with everybody else and, and being so busy with the work that we're doing that we lose sight of the one that we need to listen to because he is going to give us fresh connection and a fresh vision. So what we can do and what becomes a challenge of our heart is that as we are living for God, we must learn to stop and pause and look for direction. As the people of God, we must stop, we must pause, and we must listen to God for direction. And thirdly, God is the only source of full connection. Jesus connected with the Father because the Father was the only one who could fully understand him. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so exhausted by relationships, and when I'm going through something or experiencing something, I I try to explain myself so much to other people that will never fully understand you. At the end of the day, no matter what connection you share, they will never be able to fully comprehend and fully connect with you because they do not fully know you. The only one that fully knows us is our Father. And so for us, the only source, the only source of feeling full connection is with our Father. And oftentimes we look for ourselves to be completed with the people around us rather than looking to find ourselves made whole and finding ourselves made complete with the Father that already knows us more intently. Jesus shows us in his life that he is a person of connection. He loves connection. And his first and foremost priority of connection is to connect with the Father. But the disciples found Jesus retreating away from the place of solitude. Once they found him, they exclaimed that everybody was looking for him. When the disciples tr- finally found Jesus in his place of solitude, they said everybody was looking for him. And at this, Jesus went to continue his work. Jesus knew his life was not meant just for a connection with God, but with a connection with those who bear his image. So what can we learn from this? God connects with us so we can connect with people in their place of Our lives cannot solely be spent on on just the vertical relationship of God. We can't forget that there is a work to be done. A lot of us, we we can't become monks and we can't just say the only thing that's relevant in our relationship with God is is our connection with God. But so much that has to do with our relationship with God is, is connected and attached to the people that are around us. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus separated himself for a moment to live and to to find a moment of solidarity to connect with his father. But when the disciples came to him and said, everybody is looking for you. And he recognized that there was still work to do. And here's what he did. He didn't say, no, give me five more minutes. He didn't say, no, this is the only thing that really matters is my connection with God. He He went and he followed them and he went about his business and his assignment again. And he did so because he knew that he was connected to the Father, and it was his responsibility to connect other people to the Father. Beyond Jesus, he had already healed so many people, and he would go and he would heal more people. Jesus would leave this place of solidarity, and we see that he would clean and and purify the man with leprosy. He would go from that to the next narrative of he would forgive and he would heal a paralyzed man. And then continuing right after that, he would stop, he would lay down, and he would eat with sinners. Jesus recognized the importance of connecting with God first, but then secondly, connecting with people. Because people were in need of a connection with the Father. And if he wasn't connected with the Father, and he wasn't connecting with people, he was not fully about his Father's business. We as people need to recognize that we have something to offer people. We have something to offer. It is is our work and it is our duty. It is our duty to be influencers. It is our duty to, to lead people and to pray for people and to be present in people. It is our duty to have a demonstration of the teaching that we are already talking about. We teach and we preach about the good news of Jesus Christ and the coming kingdom, but we need to have a demonstration. And what is a demonstration? A demonstration is action. We connect with the father. We have those moments, but we also need to demonstrate the father's love that we've received through connection by pouring it out and offering it to other people. There are people that we are going to encounter that are in need of physical healing. There are people that we are going to to encounter that are in need of the forgiveness of sin. There are people that we are needing to connect with that need connectivity with with someone that is godly, and to meet them in the midst of their mess and in their sin. We cannot just live a life that is fully and solely devoted to to a prayer time and a devotional time and a connection with God, and ultimately forget about everybody else that is attached around us. We connect with God so that we connect, so we are able to connect with people in their place of need. Jesus was a person of connection. Jesus loved connecting. Jesus was a people person. Jesus loved people. Jesus was around people all the time. Even when he wasn't around people, he was around people in the Godhead. And he did so because he saw and recognized and experienced and encountered the value of connection. He saw and he recognized the value of connecting with the Father. But he also recognized and saw the value of connecting with people. So if you will, stand with us tonight. And real quick, what I want you to, we're not going to do hands raised or any of that because we kind of, it's, it's, it's a given. Us as people, we, in every area of our life in some capacity, fail to bear the image of God. We fail to be imitators of Christ. And if Jesus was a connector, that also means that we at times fail to connect. Some of us may have a disconnect in our personal relationship with God. Some of us may have a disconnect in our relationship with other people in connection with God. And some of us may have a disconnect in both areas. And I think there's so much we can learn there's so much we can grow there's so much that we are offered the ability to imitate christ even more through our connection and so what i want you to do is i want you to to recognize in your heart going like this is what i'm struggling with this is what i'm struggling with. I'm struggling to connect with god i'm struggling to connect with people i'm struggling to be about my my father's business i'm failing to imitate him and that's what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks is We are wanting to talk about how to be imitators of Christ. We need to know Jesus in order to imitate him. And so what we're going to do tonight is, is I'm not just going to pray by myself. You guys are going to pray and and you're going to be a little bit bold. You're going to pray out loud. And I want us to pray that we would be imitators of Jesus in his connectivity. That we would be people that imitate Jesus in, in sneaking away into solitude and connecting with but we would also be like Jesus and imitators of Jesus in that we, we, after our solitude and connection with Jesus, we find ourselves slipping away to people to meet them in their moments of need. So let's take a minute and pray. God, we just thank you for your spirit today. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is within inside of us, making us and growing us and creating us to be imitators of you. God, I thank you that that is the call of our life. I thank you that that is the petition of our life, is that we would be imitators of Christ, that we would be imitators of your your glory, of your actions, God. And I, I pray that you would give us a heart of connectivity. God, that you would give us a heart that connects with people, Lord. God, that you would give us a heart that connects with you, Lord, that you would be our number one priority. God, that we would prioritize you, that we would put our hearts, God, and we would put our our posture and our eyes fixated on connecting with you, Lord. And God, I pray that once we find our connectivity with you, Lord, God, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the grace to connect with other people and to meet them in their moments of need. That we would not just preach about it, Lord, but that we would walk in the demonstration that you walked in, Lord, that you spoke, God, that you taught, that you professed, God, and then also, God, you, God, you were the one that had been a demonstration, you demonstrated it, you walked it out, Lord, so I pray that you would give us the grace to walk out connectivity. Give us the grace to meet people in their moments of need. God, help us to to heal the sick. God, help us to to absolve those of sin. God, leading those to repentance. God, leading them to you, the one that that delivers us from our sin and can change our hearts and our mind, Lord. God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us to meeting people in their mess and in the midst of their sin, Lord. God, that you would be gracious to us, Lord, that we would be about your business, Lord, that we would not be intimidated, Lord. God, I pray that you would plug us back into the outlet, that you would lead us back into connectivity, Lord. Not for our glory, not for our own building of our kingdom, God, but for your glory and for the building of your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.